So a happy new year, Bill. It's, uh, can you believe it's the year 2023? Um, I still remember the Y2K bug and the year 2000. So um, it's amazing that here we are in the year 2023, but all's good and you're well? Yes, I am. And talking about the year 2000, I know exactly where I was or where our group was. Uh, we had a large group of, I guess, long-time friends of mainly parents of ki- of our kids who went to school, and we took over the uh, the hotel down at Dunkeld for New Year's Eve, and I'll never forget that that <laughs> night waiting for all the computers of the world to crash. Yes, I was at Target madly working with our IT department trying to make sure that. Um, uh, things didn't crash, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting, interesting where we are. So, twenty twenty three, people now uh, this this is um, going to air at the end of um, January. So, uh, the the calendar year is upon us. People, no doubt, are coming back from their holidays, sending the kids back, uh, getting ready to send them to school. Uh, well, they're at school actually, and now thinking about what's next. And one of the things that you and I have chatted about a few times because we've been asked a few times is about NEDs, or non-executive director board roles. Yeah, that's right, Mark. And I often get asked by uh, young executives, you know, when you ask them, well, what are your future plans? And in particular, what would you like to do outside of your current employment or in addition to your current employment? And a lot of responses are, I would like to find a way onto a board and I'm not sure how to go about it. And that's, I guess, what we're going to discuss today, is if you have ambitions to be on a board, that you really need to think carefully through the whole process, and there is a step-by-step process, and they say, well, I can't get on a board because I don't have experience, so how do I get experience? Well, that's that's a good point. If I think back through my little career... um, My very first experience was putting my hand up and applying to get on what was known as the Barwon Coast Committee of Management, which ran the the coastline of Ocean Grove and Barwon Heads, uh, statutory authority. I I got on that thinking it was just a little committee, but once I got on there and started to do a bit of work around how committees should operate, I realised that in all intents and purposes was a board, and... um, uh, governance was a little um, wayward, should I say, and the person who was uh, nominated as chair or president um, basically had nominated themselves, I think. And anyway, long story short, the uh, state government decided to improve the governance of these um, of these organisations, and I ended up chairing it and being on that committee for nearly twelve years. But it just started as something of an interest, which was I live on the coast, I wanted to be involved on the coast. So my thoughts on on how to start is is look for something that you've got a bit of a passion about um, and see whether there is a committee or an organising group that runs that because that's a good starting point to just get your toes in the water and, and get the understanding of how you can work with others with a common ground but also where you have disparaging views. Uh, that's right, Mark. So there is a difference between what we call a voluntary board and a pay board. And it is a large difference, but the starting point probably is a voluntary board of some description. So, Mark, just let's go back a bit and just give us a bit of a picture of your experience on various boards you've been involved with over time. 
So because of my love for coast and, and things uh, environmental, I ended up moving on to the Western Coastal Board, which was a paid board role. And it was in charged with um, looking after the coastline, basically from Torquay down to the South Australian border. Um, and it was a true board. And that was fascinating. Two things that came out of that. One, at uh, the, the government decided that they wanted to change the way the coast was being managed. And I was seconded onto a working group that was working to eliminate the coastal boards. So I was sitting on the board with my peers who were hating me because I was working on this group to remove the coastal boards. But it led to the involvement in writing the Marine and Coastal Act, which was the, um, the act for the management of marine and coastal land. And that was brilliant. I really enjoyed working on that. And um, not many people can say they had their fingertips on uh, writing a, an act and, and seeing it come to fruition. So that, that was really cool. From there, I, uh, I got onto the Geelong Cemetery Trust. Um, again, just through an involvement of wanting to do something different and see something different, um, that was, again, fascinating. Really enjoyed working on that board. Um, great people. And, again, interesting because by then I had a better understanding of governance. I had done the AICD course. Um, lots of people ask me, is it worth doing? It is worth doing, but it is expensive and if you're in an organization where you can get it paid for under the training in your organization fantastic um, when I did it I paid for it myself um, and I've loved every minute of doing that course but it does give you a good solid grounding so getting onto the cemetery trust I everything I'd learned everything I'd been on the past boards all came to a head um, which led to a little bit of friction uh, with the chair and I um, because I was challenging some of the decisions they were making because it wasn't good governance. Um, but anyway, that was fun. I then was asked to come on board the Barwon Community Legal Service, and mainly because um, they were looking for someone to help them with their governance, and that was a great board. That, that's been, it was really interesting, a good mix of people, uh, all with a common interest, which is providing legal services for, uh, for free for those in the, the Barwon area. Um, great bunch of lawyers, um, and again, good discussion, no groupthink. The last thing you need in a board is groupthink. It was all about challenging and coming to a good decision and for the best for the organisation and our customers, and that was good. And then somewhere in there, I ended up, I was on the cha Geelong Chamber of Commerce board, and there I was vice um, chair or president, and then became president. And that was great. That um, that was a board when I got on of about seventeen people, I think. And uh, uh, under the chair Kylie Warren, we uh, revamped the constitution and pulled it back to a board of about ten or eleven, which is manageable. We put in terms. I think when we got on, you you basically were on the board for life. We had board members that had been on for twenty five years. Uh, that's not good. You need fresh blood coming in. So that was interesting. And then also in, a, in that time, I've been on the Central Geelong Marketing, uh, uh, which is a Section 86 committee, the Central Geelong Task Force, and now I'm sitting on the Geelong Authority, which is a statutory board reporting to the Minister for Planning. So listening to all of that, you're certainly well qualified to talk about the, the subject. I picked up on your uh, Geelong Cemetery Board um, I was engaged at one stage about four or five years ago to facilitate governance and training for cemetery boards around 
Victoria, of which I think at that time there were 544, some of which hadn't met for five years, but the government decided that uh, they needed retraining on governance and compliance. And I came across, in a lot of occasions, in regional cemetery boards, people who had been there for, for a lifetime and very little governance. But on the same token, I came across some that were really well managed. And it's, it's interesting yeah. with the, the cemetery trust, you've got class A's, class B's. Mm. The class A's are the big cemeteries um, and they're paid roles and proper, proper boards. When you get into the class B's, they tend to be all volunteers. And the, depending on the size of the cemetery or the area that the, uh, the cemetery trust looks after, um, the chairman of the board is probably the local farmer who also uses his backhoe to dig the hole for the grave. Yes, I've come across that, uh, which is I- another issue about being a board director is uh, the, I guess, have you got oversight on compliance issues and talking about not-for-profit versus company directorships, uh, no matter what it is, that you as a director have enormous responsibilities and liabilities. And uh, you know, later on, I think we probably should take, treat that as another subject. But in my own case, I first got onto a board which was, the, of all things, the Australian Soft Drink Council board um, m- many years ago. And through that, uh, I was appointed in charge of the Industrial Relations Committee. And let me tell you, that was volatile times on um, industrial relations in those days. And I learnt so much out of that uh, that it's held me in good stead ever since. At the, at the same time, you know, back in, that, in this same era, I ran my own soft drink company in Melbourne. But I decided when my kids went to school that I should get involved. And I got involved on a local church board and on a local school board or more on a sporting committee within that but as I say boards and committees do carry the same responsibilities and whilst I was at Cadbury Sweeps for a little while um, there they used to run management committee boards uh, which I was on a couple of those and I guess my main board experience has been with family companies and I've been on advisory boards and formal boards for family companies. And currently I'm a director of a large family business in a formal capacity. But due to the legislation and the, once again, referring back to accountability and responsibilities, I no longer wish to be a formal director of a family business. I, my position now is to be a board advisor and escape from that. The other one where I guess was a real learning curve uh, for me was spending nine years on the Horsham Hospital Board. You know, I was called into that board as an outsider because they were in financial difficulty and they were doing a board change and that's where I really learnt a lesson in governance and policies and procedures because you were a health board and you're obviously responsible to a government department. And the final formal board that I was involved in was an agribusiness board and once again, that was a not-for-profit, but as I have found with a lot of not-for-profits, there sometimes are politics involved, and you've just got to be careful how you pick where you place yourself, and 
always join a board on the basis that, first of all, A, you can offer a set of skills that are missing on that board, but more importantly, you can learn from that board and build your own skills. And that, that's really important, Bill, because it's no good joining something where everybody's brand new or they don't understand what their roles and responsibilities are. And so many community organisations have well-meaning intentions of creating a committee and don't understand they're actually becoming directors of an organisation and the ramifications that goes with that. And if you're not there and and um, learning and also being aware of what your roles and responsibilities are, you could end up in, in all sorts of a pickle. A very simple thing is, you know, if you're on the board of a local footy club and, uh, you know, there's an issue around the grounds from a safety point of view and a player gets stabbed on a paling fence and then suddenly the WorkSafe come in and have a look and to see what's gone wrong and it's the board have decided not to worry about safety inspections, you're liable. I've got a great example of that, Mark, in the, uh, in the area of cemetery trusts. There's a well-known la- large cemetery trust in regional Victoria that used to use a local farmer, I think, because he was the one that had the, the backhoe and he built a grave and, of course, it fell in and somebody was severely injured. That board, as a group, had no idea that that person operating the backhoe didn't have an operator's licence. So who was responsible? Under today's legislation, the board's responsible. So that's their part of the pitfalls. And, and, and it goes on all the time. So when you, when you step into things, regardless of how small the organisation is, do your due diligence and ask the questions. You know, do they have an insurance policy? Do they have a, a safety culture? Um, who does the financials? Who controls the financials? I know of one small organisation that uh, was running a very well-meaning board um, and the, uh, the treasurer had the money that was collected from grants and from members into their own personal bank account. Now, that's a no-no. And they were the only signature on that account because it was their personal bank account. You have to have two signatures and you have to have a separate uh, bank account for the, uh, for the group. So again, if that person then suddenly decided to step off the board and say, well, there's no money because they were preparing the, the paperwork, you're in all sorts of mess. Well, that's another important point, Mark, because about having financial skills. Now, if, if you are not an expert in financial management or you what are you going to do to teach yourself to be able to read financial reports and understand the financial issues uh, around the organization affairs particularly for not-for-profits because that's where I find that the that that I guess the the amount of detail given to the financial reports and not where they should be so my suggestion before, as you're thinking about going to join a board, there are two things you need to do. And one of that is to read profusely and get onto the internet and read everything you possibly can about board governance and about being a board member and go and do a finance for non-financial people course. You can do it online and make sure that you've got your financial acumen up to a level where you can understand the papers that are put in front of you. Because there's, there's nothing worse with, with some of the boards that I've been on and e- even when um, presenting to some of the more uh, ASX boards in my career, a, a good CEO 
can manage the information that goes to a board and manage how that board thinks. It's up to the board to make sure that they're not being managed and are getting the information they require. So you need to be able to have that ability to read the figures, to read the papers and say, what about this or what does that mean or why is that? Ask. You have you have to be um, strong enough in your own knowledge that you can ask the questions of what's been presented to you. Yeah, you mentioned the doing the company director's course before and yeah, that is a great idea, but it is expensive. And I believe now it's probably $8,000 plus. Yeah. How did you learn? Well... I actually did the director's course, uh, <laughs> but I didn't pay for it. <laughs> right, so, uh, and for some of you that are sort of up-and-coming executives and working for social enterprises, you can actually uh, apply for a scholarship to do the company director's course. The, um, but once again, go, it goes back to reading and the AICD course is not the be-all and end-all because there are other programs out there. And... I suppose the, the good message is look for the courses, look look for the training because you do need to do some sort of formal training to understand the ro- the roles and responsibilities. The, the advantage of the AICD is they keep up to date with the information but there are other organisations that run training sessions. And the other thing to be mindful of is keeping yourself informed of the changes that go on because there are, it's an evolving beast. There's constantly updates to rules and regulations, and unless you keep in touch with those rules and regulations, you could become unstuck. Well, we saw there at the end of 2022 that uh, I think November the 30th was the deadline where every, now, every board director has to have an ID number through ASIC. And I know at the end of uh, November, by the time the 30th came around, a number of people hadn't filled in that that obligation and there are heavy penalties involved with yep. it and, and in fact they extended it by yep. 14 days I they've think. They've extended right? it to the end of December I think now but but that's that's a good point because it's the sort of thing that just creeps past people mm. without thinking yeah. and and it and it's very easy to get but it's worth doing. The other suggestion I have and I know it's not always easy to do this but if you've identified a board that you would like to join um Go and seek out the chair of that board and see if you are allowed to go and sit in on a board meeting and just see how it works. There will be things that happen in the board meeting where you may be asked to leave the room you know, while they discuss a particular issue. But I tell you what, it's a great way to get an initiation on how a board works. That's really good advice because that also gives you an opportunity to see how people interact with with each other, how the chair runs the meeting, how people are involved in the decision making and how the the management or the the, um, uh, present to the board and it gives you a a, a good feel so that you can understand and say, yep, I I get this organisation, this is something I'd like to be a part of. Right, and now another really important, very important, I don't know how to impress upon everybody how important this is, after the board meeting, read the draft board papers of the meeting and learn how board papers should be prepared and go through them carefully before they go back for final approval because sometimes things slip through and if it's anything untoward and it comes up, it could bite you later on. So read the minutes, but then also do your homework before the board meeting and read the board papers. 
And don't just skip through the board papers and read the sections you like, which I probably was guilty of in the first place, but that's so important to go to a board meeting having read the board papers and knowing where you can add value and, and where you're in doubt, don't be afraid to ask questions. Put your hand up. And it's, a good, it's a good point, Bill. With, with board papers, there's nothing more frustrating when you're on a board and you instantly know the person that's in the room that hasn't read the board papers because they're asking the questions that are very clearly laid out in the board paper and they're just asking the question because they haven't bothered to read the papers. That's nothing worse than aggravating a chair because you haven't read the board papers. And it's, I think, disrespectful to your fellow board members because you've not done your homework, which you should be doing as part of being a board member. It's not about just turning up once a month for a couple of hours. It's about reading everything that's sent to you and keeping your your eyes on on the organisation. So um, absolutely, read your board papers. The other other thing I've often encouraged as, as the chair is if someone's got a question about the board papers, ring the CEO or the operating officer, the executive officer before the board meeting to see if they want a little bit more information about something so that when they come to the board, they are fully informed. And if there's a something that they then want to raise in front of the board, fine. But sometimes it might be just a simple question that they may not want to ask in front of the board because they don't want to look silly, but a quick call to the uh, exec officer or CEO would help clarify that question they might have on their head. Yeah, I think that's wise advice. Uh, one of the boards I'm on at the moment, we, we seem to be unfortunately spending a lot of money on capital expenditure. And when the board papers come out and I'm confronted with CapEx requests, uh, I will ring the CEO and say, explain what this is all about and why and all the rest of it, so that when we get to the board meeting, we're not spending half an hour trying to explain what the CapEx is about. I think that's important. The other thing, Mark, that I think is important is that the board should have measurement in place on their own performance. And you and I have a very good friend by the name of Fee Mercer, and Fee has developed a software program, and unfortunately I can't remember the name of her business. I can't either, but, but that's not good, is it? That's right. But that is a, a great program that enables the chair to measure the effectiveness of each board member. And if you are a chair, that's one of your obligations is to... It's just like doing a performance review. That's what it's I about. think it's governance evaluator. It's pops into my head. All right, good. And okay. and, and uh, the Geelong Chamber used uh, Fee's um, um, software system when we started off as the new board from 17 to 11, yeah. and it was great. When we started off, uh, all the different measures showed us as red in just about everything, yeah. and by the time we reached the end of the three years of being uh, uh, the first board, um, we had most of it pushing into green because we'd learnt as an organisation how to improve. So, yeah. fantastic program. Along with that is one of the things that I really like is at the end of the board meeting, the board stops and does a review of that board meeting. It's as simple as going around the room, how do we go? What could we improve on? What did we stuff up? You know, and that, you know, it, it's a really good reminder because it's fresh and at the time. And it's got to be done in, in a... I guess, a safe environment and there's nothing wrong with being critical as long as you learn from it. And, yeah, the old adage, play the ball, not the person, Mm. um, very, very important because you will have people that have differing views to you and it's good to listen to those views. So my advice is listen before you jump in, listen to what they have to say and you might think, oh, that's actually got some merit to it and then have your view as well. But um, 
Um, on the other hand, I have seen directors get extremely aggressive with members of the executive team, um, which has led to the board being meeting being stopped and the executive team being asked to leave, while the uh, board member is reminded that personal attacks or vicious attacks is not on. It's about polite questioning, not aggressive questioning. And that's the advantage of having a chair that understands the process and is an excellent chair. Um, I think that you know, a board will make or break itself if the ch- chair is not or is right for the yep. job. And, and that's, that's a good point, Bill, because I, I have in my, my little short career on boards um, worked with different chairs and some are uh, fantastic, you know, understand, want the openness of discussion, want people to talk to the CEO and others, no, you have to contact me and I'll contact the CEO and clamp down on a discussion when they say, oh, no, we're not going to talk about it. That's, that. They're not good. Um, yeah, and I think Mark, you know, just sort of just throwing these, tossing these things around like we have. Um, I think we we should make an offer to anyone listening to this that has some issues or thinking about boards that they can contact us personally, and we'll, we'll you know we'll help them where possible, no obligation. Uh, and if you go and look us up on LinkedIn, and that's Mark Edmonds and Bill Winter, you'll find our contact details. And I'm more than happy for anyone to ring me and we can have a discussion and maybe point you in a direction where you can be better informed. And don't be afraid. I hope we haven't tried to frighten you off. But it, it, it's a great aspect to uh, to follow. And we've both got friends that are on some uh, pretty serious boards. And I'm sure if you wanted more information, we'd be happy to connect you with other people who are in the uh, NED space. So, um, Bill, good little chat. Yeah, thank you, Mark. It's an exciting year ahead for 2023 and uh, I look forward to our many exciting, I guess, podcasts and discussions coming up. Thanks, Bill.